This morning we're going to prepare for communion. And, you know, every once in a while, I think it's good to just stop and look at that. Look at what we're doing. Look at the remembrance. You know, growing up uh, in a more traditional church, we did a lot of things over and over. And I don't think I always pause to think about why are we doing what we're doing? Like, what's the point in what we're doing? And so occasionally I like to pause and just preach on uh, communion or whatever we're participating in because I think it helps us to accomplish what God designed to be accomplished when he said, do this in remembrance of me. You know, it's interesting. We just finished up kind of a series on Corinthians and the portion of scripture that I always read, it's found in 1 Corinthians. And so it helps us as we start looking at this, have some understanding of the verses that I read. Because, I mean, I just read these words that say, you receive from the Lord, but I also give unto you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. You know, and it just seems like the Lord's Supper, like, hey, what's the big deal? But there's a lot that happened before that in those words. If you recall, the church in Corinth had all kinds of problems. And Paul's letters were a lot of correction. And one of the things that he had to correct was the Lord's Supper. I mean, what we read just about every week when we do communion is Paul's correction to the Corinthian church doing communion wrong. If you look in that, in that chapter in 1 Corinthians, I don't have the verses up there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you see, I'm just going to read some of this. Um, in the first place, Paul says, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. <laughs> so they're taking communion with division. No doubt there have been differences to show which of you have God's approval. So then you come together, it's not... For the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead to your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. I mean, seriously, they've kind of screwed up this whole idea of, of the Lord's Supper. I mean, people are getting drunk and people are hungry. I mean, what's, what's going on? Paul's saying the heart at which you're uh, taking the Lord's Supper, you're missing something. Like, when you go and you gather, we're coming together, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, and obviously it was a little bit different than what we do, because they said some remained hungry, so it's probably more like what we do afterwards when we have this meal. But, but the reality is, they said, you're missing the heart. Paul is, is telling the church in Corinth, you're missing the heart of what Christ was trying to accomplish. You're missing the heart of, of the intention of, uh, of this remembrance of the Lord's Supper. So what does he do? Verse 23 of that chapter, he says, he corrects them. And this will sound familiar. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And up to this point, we're just getting the replay of what Jesus Christ did, right? So then he says, For. Now this is Paul's heart. I believe this is the heartbeat of communion for Paul to the early church. I believe that he's looking at the church in Corinth and he's saying, When you take communion... This is what should be accomplished. You're getting drunk and you're hungry. What should be accomplished? You're divided and broken, but what should be accomplished? For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Paul's looking at the church in Corinth and he's saying, this remembrance is for one thing. If I have to make this as simple as absolutely possible for you, church, when you take this cup and when you eat this bread, you're doing it for one reason. Why? You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Now, I tell you what, if I wasn't a believer, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Jesus died! Jesus died! Jesus died! Hey, Mike, did you hear Jesus died? Angie, Jesus died. I don't know that I'm accomplishing the heart of what Paul is is communicating in these verses. What What is he saying by you proclaim when you eat this bread and when you drink this cup, you are proclaiming your Lord's death until He comes. This morning as we prepare for communion, I want to look at the idea of proclaiming his death. And I desire that as we participate in communion, that we can accomplish what Paul was trying to teach the church in Corinth to accomplish, that, that by doing this, I am proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. Our actions this morning in, in participating in communion, our acts this morning in, in going through what is a ritual or a, 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 an ordinance of the church, I want it to be an, a proclamation of Christ's death. That this morning in this place, we're proclaiming the Lord Jesus' death. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word and I thank You for this moment. And I pray for us in this room this day, God, I ask that as we look at the Word of God, it becomes alive before us. You promise your word is living and active, and I pray, God, that be revealed. God, as we look at communion, I pray that we see the power in proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ. God, I ask for our hearts, I ask for our minds, I ask for our, our thoughts to be in line with you. I pray, God, your anointing upon us in this place. For myself as a pastor, God, I ask my words would be yours. God, I pray your very will would be accomplished in this room. God, I pray that this day there's a sweet aroma that arises from this place before the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. So why proclaim his death? And some of this, it might seem pretty basic. But, but we've got to start with the reality. If we're going to proclaim the Lord's death, we've got to realize there was a necessity for His death, right? If I'm going to proclaim it, I want to know that there was a necessity for it. Why did Jesus die? What was the reason for His death? If I'm going to proclaim it, I want to know the why behind it. It says in Romans chapter 3, the righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all. It says in verse 23, we've heard this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ when, when God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. 
You see, in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness. So why the necessity of the death? When we're making this proclamation, what was the necessity for the death of Jesus Christ? He died for my sin, right? We've all sinned. Scripture says in 6.23 of Romans, it says, The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There had to be a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin, correct? That sacrifice came through Jesus Christ. So the necessity for His death was my sin. The necessity for His death is, is the reality that I can now proclaim forgiveness. When I claim the death of Jesus Christ, I am claiming, I am proclaiming, I am declaring my forgiveness. Right? The necessity was that I've sinned. The reality was that Christ died. So my confession, it says in another verse in Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. The reality is that when I'm declaring the death of Jesus Christ, I'm proclaiming my forgiveness. I tell you what, there's power in proclaiming your forgiveness. We were talking in Sunday school about this foundation, which is our faith. And how sometimes we lose sight of of the very essence of our foundation. And I'm going to tell you, there's an enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm going to tell you, he's going to try and take whatever he can from you. And that's going to include the very reality that you've been forgiven. Because sometimes all I see is what I'm doing wrong. Sometimes all I see are all my shortcomings. Sometimes all I see is where I've missed the mark. My wife, she, just in case you didn't notice, and I saw a couple more spots just for the record, but she painted the back wall of the, uh, of the foyer this week, and, and I got lucky enough to roll with her. And on textured walls, using a roller is not fun. And I'm telling you, the paint, it's this faint gray, and it, it's hard to see where it's right and where it's wrong. And so then when we get done, guess what? All I see are these giant highlights in the wall. I don't see the 99% of coverage that I accomplished. I see the 1% where I fell short. Is that not how we live Boy, we proclaim the faults so much more than we proclaim the forgiveness. So if I'm going to proclaim His death until He comes, I'm going to proclaim the forgiveness that I have in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. Laura, this should sound familiar. You see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For, while, for if while we were God's enemies, 
we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also do what? We boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The proclamation of my life is I have been justified. What does justified mean? This was like my Sunday school lesson. I have been made just as if I never sinned. That's what justified means. So the price, the forgiveness was paid. When did, when did God send His Son to die for you? While you were still a sinner, right? While we were still fallen, God sent His Son. How great was His love for you? The reality was, He didn't want you to be defined by your faults, but He wanted you to be defined by the forgiveness which is in Jesus Christ. I will proclaim, I will boast, I will declare, I am forgiven. I will declare the wall is painted. You can touch it up if you want to, but I will tell you the wall is now painted. I have been forgiven. We need to proclaim that I am forgiven. In spite of myself. Beyond my problems or habits or issues. I have been forgiven. I am forgiven. Proclaim forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 10, he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Can you say, I've been made holy? Once and for all. I've been made holy. Well, holiness is such a scary thing, but I've been made holy. God has set me apart. He's made me one that He's willing to use. He's made me a vessel that's destined for His purpose. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect. Wow. Say, I am perfect. Man, look at your spouse today and say, I am perfect. Yes, you are, dear. For by one sacrifice he has been made he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Well, I tell you what, I want to proclaim forgiveness. I am justified. I am holy. I am perfect. In spite of me. Colossians chapter one, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God 
and, want, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. I want to proclaim forgiveness. You know, we preached on new life. We talked about this new last week. I have been made new. I'm holy. I'm without accusation. Say whatever you want. But I've been made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. My salvation is found in Him and in Him alone. I will declare that I am forgiven no matter what anyone might say about me. You can say whatever you want. The accusations don't matter because I have been made right by Jesus Christ. What are you proclaiming? In John chapter 19, Jesus said, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge and, in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, lifted up his lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said what? It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. What was Jesus declaring? It is finished. It's finished. What's finished? The curse of sin and death. It's finished. Why? Because in that moment, we now have victory. I say Jesus died, not, not just to share the news, but the good news of Jesus Christ. The reality that, that sin and death has been defeated. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. I am a victor now in Jesus Christ. What do you declare? Hebrews chapter chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. What is finished? What is finished? What's finished? By his death, he broke something. What did he break? The power. Whose power? The power of him. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are declaring that, that Satan has been defeated. The, the power that he has is broken. It's not might be. It's not will be, but has been. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I'm telling you, there's victory in my proclamation. I am declaring my victory in Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53 Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are healed. First Corinthians chapter 15, when the perishable has been enclosed, been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality, the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us what? He gives us what? I'm telling you, that should make you happy. Last night, I don't know, you watched the game or not. Maybe some of you made it through the game or not. I don't know. It is an exciting game. 10 to 10. And I tell you what, I've never seen a 10 to 10 Big Ten football game, six games in the, in the season, where a kicker runs around like a nut because they won the game. Like, did you see that? They jumped on top of the kicker and, and, and they carried him on their shoulders for a while. There's something about being on the winning team that's pretty cool. And you know what? Didn't notice uh, um, Northwestern coming over and picking him up and carrying him out. But, but we're on the winning team for crying out loud. There should be some joy in that. There should be some, some enthusiasm about that. That should make us happy. That should make us excited. Yeah. Everyone, kick it through. Let's go home. I mean, come on. We win. Like, like seriously. Like, I mean, can you imagine if you watched a football game and the kicker kicks it through and and wins the game with zero seconds on the clock and we won. We'd ask, what's wrong with that kid? I don't want to proclaim his death. He said he's made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. He said that we win. The power of death, the power of sin has been defeated. He said the power of the devil has been defeated. What, what are you proclaiming? You see, because when I start talking about His forgiveness, and when I start talking about the victory that He's given me, I realize that others need to hear. See, I'm proclaiming until He comes. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about that. That, that, that communion can be an outward evidence. That communion can be a, an opportunity to declare to others what God has done in me. We always think about communion in the confines of ourselves. But what if communion was a declaration to others about what Jesus Christ has done for me? What if communion was an opportunity for us to declare to everyone else 
the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of His death for their lives as well. The reality of being set free. The reality of understanding the fullness of forgiveness. We read these verses last week. I want to read them again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us, and last week we said controls us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you, God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. How are you going to reconcile without proclaiming? He goes on, he says, that, was, that God was reconciling the word to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How can I be an ambassador without talking? Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. I'm proclaiming it to myself. I am forgiven. I need to be reminded. I have been set free. I need to see that I've been made holy, that I've been justified, that I am the very righteousness of God. I need to know sometimes when it, seems, when it seems like everything is falling apart that, hey, in the end I do win. I need to proclaim. I want others to know the promise of the death of Jesus Christ. I want others to know that, 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 that the price for their sin has been paid. That God loved them so much that He sent His Son to die for them as well. Why? Because through the death of Jesus Christ comes everlasting life. You know, what are you proclaiming? What are you saying? I wasn't sure if I was going to show this. I'm going to go ahead and do it. There's a clip that was on social media this week. Some of you may have seen it. Some of you may not. This guy back here, his brother got killed. Uh, he was in his apartment eating ice cream. And, and a lady came in his apartment and shot him. She thought she was going into her apartment. She was on the wrong floor of her building. And she was a Dallas police officer. She shot him and killed him. This was her murder trial. And this is his brother talking. And at this trial, they have a, he has an opportunity to speak to the woman who just shot his brother. And these are the words... You might turn up the computer before you play that because it won't... The words that he shared, and I just... I'll come back to this, but I think it's, it's like four minutes long, but just 
Hear what he's saying. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He looked at this woman and he said, you know, I forgive you. And he looked at her and he said, I want you to know nothing more than the forgiveness that God has. Go to him with your, with your, with your hurts. Go to him with your guilt. Go to him with your condemnation. And in, 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 in an interesting moment, he looks at the judge and says, I don't know if this is allowed, but can I hug her? And, and the judge says, well, I, I guess. And they embrace in the courtroom. In the picture of forgiveness, the picture of God's love, the picture of the proclamation of what Jesus Christ has done was so real. I mean, it literally captivated now people that are atheists are getting upset that he actually talked about God in the courtroom. But other than that, you know, it, it was such a genuine picture of, of who we are in Christ. Tim, if you can come forward. This morning, we're going to participate in communion. Did you hear what I said? We're going to participate. Like, we're going to do our part. So Paul says, you might have come this morning, and you might have thought that it's the first Sunday, so we're going to have some grape juice, and we're going to have a little cracker, and then we're going to eat real food, and it's going to be good. Maybe you have some some hurts or some offense or some things inside of you that you brought. You know, he said when you come together, you're divided. We don't need that in us. When you eat these things, it's all about you. It's all about your, 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 your getting drunk and your, your heart's in the wrong place. I want our hearts to be in that place this morning that he desires. So as you receive this morning the cup and as you receive the bread, I want you to think in your life, what does the death of Christ mean? And this morning, as you hold that cup, what are you proclaiming? And I'm going to have Kim, and uh, she's going to have a son, and she's singing. Hopefully, it works. Um, but. But as we, as she's singing that song, I encourage you. It says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. I encourage you to begin to proclaim what the Lord's death means to you. As you're holding that cup, and, and maybe the reality that you've been made whole, the reality that, that, that God sees you as perfect, the reality that He has made you holy, the reality that you've been justified, the reality that you are forgiven, the reality that we do win, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, the promise that the devil has been defeated, begin to allow that proclamation to come from you. That might mean you actually open your mouth and these things called words come out of your mouth. It might mean as, as we're preparing to do this, this remembrance because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of His death, all of this is true. I'm a joint heir now with Jesus Christ. I have a promise of eternity. Allow yourself to begin to proclaim His death. Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, He took bread. When He gave given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you eat it and drink it. <laughs> Sorry. But whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, I proclaim your death this day that I'm forgiven. God, I proclaim your death this day that I am a victor. God, I proclaim your, your death this day that I am justified. I proclaim your death this day that by your stripes I am healed. I proclaim your, your death this day that I've been set free. God, I proclaim your death this day that the enemy has been defeated. That it is finished. It is accomplished. I proclaim your death that I've been made right. That I've been reconciled with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I proclaim your death that I've been set apart for a kingdom purpose. I proclaim your death that you saw me fit to be used by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim His death until He comes. You can partake. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may your life, may your actions, may your words be a reflection of what we've celebrated this morning. May the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for you become a declaration of your heart, your mouth, your mind in each moment of every day. Amen? Be blessed.